we're talking about how to develop a strong spirit. And we've said this before, this is week three. We've said this before, but you are a spirit, right? I remember years ago, gosh, I think it was maybe 1980, back when like dinosaurs roamed the earth. You know, in my first semester of college, I was in this cultural anthropology class. And the first statement in the class was, evolution is no longer fiction, it's truth. And uh, so that's kind of like ignorance gone to seed. But, you know, I, I, I became friends with the professor. Um, we, we became friends. He, I think he probably kicked me out of that place at least three or four times. But, but through all that, we became friends. And he would say, well, you know, the human body is so closely designed like a gorilla and some, you know, animals and things. And I'm like, okay, so what does that have to do with anything? I'm not a body. And he'd be like, what? And I'm like, no, no, no. I, I've been made in the image and likeness of God, the Bible says. So what that means is I'm a speaking spirit. Now, I live in a body. I have to have a body to be on the planet. But Paul brings it out in his teachings that you and I are a spirit being. You're a spirit. Right? You possess a soul which is comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And you live in a physical body. You're not a body. You live in one. Okay? So we spend a lot of time educating. I mean, you go to school for 12 years just to get a high school diploma. You can go to school for two years to get an associate's degree. Go, to, go two more and get a bachelor's. You know, go maybe a couple more years, get a master's degree. You could even go a few years and get a doctorate, or you could go like Pastor Edwin and, and you could get in a PhD program, which could go on for all eternity unless you believe God that you finally come to an end of it, right? Which he did. He finished his course. He ran his race, right? He's not even considering getting a second PhD, right? But, you know, all that will develop your mind, you could go to a gym, you could work out, and that's great. You could develop your body. But your first priority should be to develop your spirit. And we don't spend very much time on that. And I'll tell you, it's so very important because it takes a strong spirit to walk out God's plan for your life. It takes a strong spirit that while we walk through this life, the valley of the shadow of death, we laid hold of, the, of our inheritance. We walk with God and we have peace in the midst of chaos. We have safety in the midst of some pretty scary things going on, right? We can walk in prosperity while the earth system is walking in lack because we're not of this world, we, we live in the world, but we live in the world in the kingdom of God, right? How we know God is spirit to spirit. He doesn't communicate with our minds. He communicates with our spirit man. He wants intimate fellowship with you, amen? So let's jump into this again tonight. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11, and we're going to look at verse 24, the child of God does not have a faith event now and then. A child of God walks by faith and lives by faith, right? So that means I constantly have to walk in love because faith works by love. Do you ever have opportunities in this life to not walk in love, right? If you're, if you're not strong spiritually, you're not going to be able to walk in the love of God. So to be led by the Spirit of God, you have to be sensitive because his still small voice, that inner unction and knowing, is it, you won't sense it if you're paying attention to the chaos and the noise on the outside. So let's look at faith for a second. Because God provided everything by his grace. We didn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. He provided everything. 
but how we take possession of what he gave us already by his grace, we take possession of that through faith. Okay? So we have to talk about this because the Bible says some interesting things. In Mark eleven twenty four, we're, we're looking at a scripture that talks about faith to receive from God. And it says, therefore, I say unto you, whosoever, what things, I'm sorry, what things soever you desire, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, this is kind of what we think receive is. Can you throw me this bottle? So we think receive might be this. Right? So try to do that. Notice how she aimed for my head. I wonder why she did that, right? (laughs) Thinking of the blower the other night, right? So believe that you receive them. But this word receive is not that. The word receive literally means to seize hold on. So in other words, if God says, I've redeemed you from the curse of the law, and the curse of the law is all sickness, all disease, all poverty, all lack, right? If that's the curse of the law, and I've been redeemed from it, if the Bible says he was made poor on the cross so that I, through his poverty, might be made rich, brought into a a overflowing supply more than enough for me. If I've been given the blessing of Abraham, right? Which the first manifestation is that is to bring me into a place of a full and overflowing supply of finances, which will increase my influence on the earth and so that I could be a blessing to others. If that is God's will for my life, see, it doesn't just happen I have to seize hold of that. So believe that you seize hold of it, that you receive it, and you shall have it. Okay? So you're seizing hold of something. If if you want to know what's seizing hold of, it's not just this. I didn't just seize hold of it. Seizing hold is like, I've got this, and I'm not letting it go. Right? Believe that you seize hold of it. Why does it say seize hold of it? Because there's an enemy that's going to try to get you to let it go. Okay? He's going to come and he's going to try to get you to let it go. So you're going to have to be strong. That's why I'm saying this. Hebrews chapter 6 in verse 12, it says this. That you be not slothful. Now, slothful, if you've watched Zootopia, you might think that that's somebody who moves really slow. All the parents are like, yeah. No, no, slothful, this this Greek word means lazy. That you be not lazy, but that you be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises How do we inherit the promises of God? Through faith and patience. This is the Greek word makrothmia. This word means, it means endurance. So that tells me, believe that you receive and you shall have. Right? Mark 11, what things soever you desire, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Notice it didn't say, and you'll have them immediately. It didn't say you'll have them within three hours or or even, I mean, it'd be okay if it was a week, right? You'll have them within seven days. It never said that. Faith is now, faith believes it receives now. It reaches into the unseen realm and grabs hold of it. So I've already received my healing. I can't perceive it with my senses. My physical body has not changed yet. But I've received my healing. And from the time I believe that I receive until I have, I'm going to need macrothmia. I'm going to need endurance. This Greek word means endurance. It means constancy. It means steadfastness. 
It means perseverance. That means I grab hold of it and I am not letting it go. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. Thank God for doctors, right? Man, thank God for them. But thank God that there's something beyond natural knowledge, right? Now, what's really cool is when you get a doctor that knows that. He could tell you exactly what's going on naturally, and then he could tell you, now listen, in the natural, there's not anything we could really do, but don't worry about that. Because now, but God. But see, you'll need some perseverance, right? You'll need some endurance. I mean, could you imagine just if you only had enough endurance to hang on for three days, I wonder how much you'd lay hold of. See, what happens is, this is what happens because people don't have endurance. They lay hold of their healing, but then they let it go. Because this stuff just isn't working. Because I don't see anything. I don't feel anything. Right? But that's not how it works. Faith, you can't, you can't perceive faith with your feelings. Trust me, the feelings will be there. It's pretty exciting when it manifests, but it shouldn't shock you if you're in faith because you've already believed you've received it. So you must be strong enough to receive and strong enough to hold on to what God has given you. Both of these, strength to receive and strength to hold on to it, both of those things take strength of spirit. Not physical strength, strength of spirit. This is so important because God has promised you things. And, and it's, it's a done deal. They're yours. And I'm telling you, all things are possible to him who believes. Everything. Everything God says, will, he will bring to pass. But it's going to take a strong spirit. You have never met one person that has ever got in faith and stayed in faith that did not receive the promise of God. Yeah, but you know, I just don't understand because, man, I just, you know, I speak the word of God and I am, I've been standing and I'm in the word and it just didn't work. Impossible. You might think you're speaking life, but boy, if you could just tie a little tape recorder around your neck, you might be shocked. You might be going, holy smokes, I'm speaking death all the time. Why? Because my spirit's weak. Why is my spirit weak? Because I'm not nourishing my spirit. And I'm not exercising my spirit. Right? So this is important. You must resist the enemy's attacks. You must resist the enemy's thoughts. Right? The stronger your faith is, the bigger you can receive. Okay? Because sometimes when you're believing God for some big things, it just might take you a while to lay hold of it. The Bible doesn't say a lot why. Right? Have you ever been believing God for something? You're in a church, you're believing God for something, and you know the word. And man, you've been faithful. And then all of a sudden, there's a person in that ch the same church that kind of comes once in a while, doesn't come. Ne very evident after talking to them for 30 seconds, not in the word, and they go up for prayer, and bam, instantly, they're healed of what you've been waiting for for six months. If that bothers you, guess what? It reveals that you were not even in faith. Because faith doesn't consider that. Right? Faith is laser focused. I mean, literally, someone who's in faith, when that happens, they are so happy for that person, it does not even dawn on their spirit what I just described 
And when the thought comes in their mind from the enemy, I wonder why that is just taken captive with the word. No, 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 no. It is written, Satan. Jesus himself bore this sickness and I'm healed. Right? I'm not moving from this. Why? Because I know my God. And his word is working in me. And his word strengthens me. And I am so grateful. I know he loves me. I know he'll never leave me or forsake me. I know he is true. And I get so excited about that, that joy starts stirring up. And the joy of the Lord strengthens me. So we have to, to be strong, you will have to live in him. Now, being in him means every one of us are in him. Every one of us. If you're a Christian tonight, you're in him because the definition is the Holy Spirit dwells in your heart. That's being in Christ. But to be strong, you will have to live in him. There's a big difference between being in him and living in him. Big difference. What do you mean, pastor? When I live in him, that means I'm living out of my spirit. I'm not living out of my flesh. Have you ever, as a child of God who's in Christ, lived out of your flesh? Right? Well, pastor, not in the last 37 minutes. Right? But I'm telling you, as you strengthen your spirit, you can get to the place where you're living in him. And if you ever step out of that, you just jump right back and go, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not entertaining that thought. I'm not speaking that death. I'm, I'm, I believe what his word says. Right? Acts 17, 28 says, right at the first half of this verse, for in him we live and we move, and we have our very being. I live, and I move, and I have my being in him. My focus is always inward. I'm looking to him. The conditions now, as we look at this, we're going to see conditions in Christians' lives that were very hard and yet there was peace and there was joy and there was victory. I would love to tell you that everything that you'll lay hold of, it'll just be blissful and there will never be any problems. But I would be lying to you because there is an enemy and he does not want you to lay hold of anything. He doesn't want you to know who you are. He doesn't want to know what God's given you, right? See, a lot of Christians don't even know they're really forgiven, I mean, they'll say, oh, yeah, oh, you know, they'll sing, oh, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. But then they'll beat themselves up for all, all these mistakes that they've made in their life. They don't have a revelation that they, no, 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 your sin has been erased. It's gone. Right? Then we go to Hebrews 10, verse 23, and look at what this says. Hebrews 10, 23 it says, let us. So again, let us, that means this is up to you whether or not you do it. It's your decision. Satan can't keep you from doing this. But it says, let us hold fast. Guess what that phrase in the Greek, hold fast, means? It means to seize hold of. The profession of our faith without wavering. Why? Because he is faithful that promised. Again, you see this. I could take you through scripture after scripture in faith and about faith, and it'll, you'll see you need strength. Spiritual strength. Hold fast to the profession of your faith. Hold fast with saying the same thing as God says. Right? Hold fast when, when, when things are not going your way, when people are despitefully using you. You do good to them anyway. You're holding fast to the profession. When somebody's doing you wrong and you're going, Father, I ask that you would bless them. Don't hold this against them. 
They don't even know what they're doing. What you're saying is, I understand that my battle right now is not with a human being. It is with the enemy, and I've already won this battle. Right? So I'm not going to get all, I'm not going to deal with surface things. I'm going right to the heart. And right to the heart of the matter is, Satan, you have no authority in my life. And I have all authority in the name of Jesus. You have been stripped and you have lost this battle that I'm just at the beginning of. I already know the end result of it. And I'm never going to let you talk me out of it. I'm going to never stop speaking the word of God. I'm never going to let it depart out of my mouth. I'm going to be speaking it all the time. So to do that, you've got to be strong. Now here's another thing. We're not to be strong alone either. Okay? We're getting to something where you're going to see over and over and over again. Remember what it takes to be spiritually strong. Remember the scripture? Paul's letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 6. You need to nourish yourself in words of faith or in the word of God, and you exercise yourself by being a doer of the word, by speaking the word of God. That's how you develop spiritually. We need to teach on this a lot because this is... So many Christians are not laying hold. They're they're letting go before that thing manifests in their life because they're not nourishing themselves on the word of God. Right? So this all goes together. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering because faithful is he that promised So now jump over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 10. You know, it says three times, three times in the Gospels. It says, but he that endures till the end shall be saved. And the word saved means, you could say it this way, he that endures to the end shall be made whole. He that endures to the end shall be healed. He that endures to the end shall prosper. All these words, it's endures till the end. So don't give up and realize this. See, don't try to fight a spiritual battle naturally. Don't try to be strong naturally. It takes spiritual strength. It takes spiritual strength. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. So this letter has, it's just full of doctrine. Wonderful truths in the word of God. Paul, coming to the end of this letter, says, Finally, my brothers... And in the Greek language, it would be now, guys, now to the most important thing that I'm going to tell you. Now, this is pretty incredible. Because you start looking at some of the things. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. He said that four, four chapters ago. Now he's saying, now, now guys, now to the most important thing I'm going to say. What? He says, finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's what we have to learn about. Finally, my brothers, be strong. Be strong. This is a command. This Greek word literally means be strong And this word literally means superhuman strength. God is commanding you to be strong with superhuman strength. He's commanding you. This isn't optional. Wow. This this Greek word, be strong... You could literally translate this also because of the continual tense. It literally, you could read it like this. Be continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord. 
and in the power of his might. So now we're going to start getting into it. He's commanding you to be strong with his strength. Well, wait a minute. You're telling me to be strong, but then you're saying, then you're bringing you on the scene. Yeah, because you really can't separate you from him. You're his child. Should not even be able to tell where your strength ends and his begins because you live in him. He wants you continually strengthened inwardly. He wants you plugged into his power all the time. This is so important. In other words, your spirit man is to be constantly strengthened inside you in the Lord and in the power of his might. Finally, my brothers, be continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord. Now, this is written in the Greek locatives tense. Okay? That means the only place to find superhuman strength is in the Lord. It's locked in. The locative tense. That means it's nowhere else. It's only found in him. He is the source. The only source of your strength. So in other words, as you walk through... See, we read this stuff, the works that Jesus does, greater works will we do. Well, how in the world are we going to do that? We, gotta, we have to walk in the strength of God. It's going to take the strength of God for you to parent your children the way God wants. It's going to take the strength of God for you to become the minister that he wants and to walk out God's plan for your life. The Bible says, they that know their God will be strong and do exploits. Talking about our day. Everything that we have is locked up in the Lord. Who is the Lord? The Word. So you could read it like this. Be strong in the word and in the power of the word's might. Be continually strengthened inwardly in the word of God. Because you can't separate God from his word. And in the power, this is kind of a cool word. It's the Greek word kratos. It means strength, power, and dominion. It was the Kratos power that rose Jesus from the dead and rose everybody else with him. You and I are to be continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord and in the power of his might. In other words, you are commanded to tap in continuously to the resurrection power of Jesus. Wow. Isn't that amazing? I mean, there was so much power when he came out of that grave. So much power. It's amazing. We're commanded to tap into the resurrection power of God continually. So God would never command you to do something that you couldn't do. As a matter of fact, walking in your own strength is much, much harder than it is to walk in the power of God. You are made to walk in his power. So in other words, we are to live victoriously in this present evil age in spite of all satanic opposition. How do we do that? Through God's ability and through his power. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. So these, see, Paul was writing, and this was a circulatory letter, so it was, written to, it was written to the Ephesian church, but it was written to Faith Family Church. It was written to all Christians. But the condition that the church at Ephesus was living in when Paul wrote this letter was extreme persecution. Extreme persecution. 
The church of Ephesus was the greatest church of the day. The who's who in the body of Christ, Timothy was a pastor, John went to that church, Mary the mother of Jesus, you could go on and on and on. This was a church that was the cream of the cream of the cream. They had the best teaching of any church and yet they were not living in victory. It's amazing. It's amazing. Paul is saying to the Ephesian church that in order to live in victory, you will have to know something about tapping into the power of God and walking in it, and you're going to have to know something about his armor because he's going to start talking about his armor. Okay? What Paul is really saying here, because these, these Ephesian Christians, I mean, they had the best teaching. Right? They, they, they're probably walking around, you know, they probably had like badges. I'm an Ephesian church Christian. But Paul was writing this letter because he had to help them turn knowledge into victory. And that's what we're doing in this series. The Word of God is going to help us turn knowledge into victory. Because God wants you to walk victorious. Not wondering if this thing's going to work out. Knowing exactly what's going to happen. Right? If you're sick, knowing that the joint will be made whole. That the cells will be made whole. That your body will be made whole. That your finances will be made whole. All of these things. He wants you to know that. So see, our weakness is not an issue at all if we are drawing on the divine power and ability of God. doesn't matter how weak you are. doesn't matter. Isn't that good news? Because that means you could get in the biggest fight against the just the meanest, the scariest thing, and you could be at total peace because it's not about how strong you are. Right? It's, it's literally, it's everything about how strong he is. It's not about your ability. It's about his ability. I love that. So one of the greatest benefits of victorious Christian living is not just a changed life. I mean, I'm so grateful I've been made new. But really, the greatest benefit is about I live an exchanged life. He was made poor so that I would be made rich. Right? He was made sin so that I would be made righteous, an exchanged life. So now I don't live according to myself. I live in him, in his power, in his ability. I face everything. I compare everything that I face to him, never me. Because it doesn't take much to be bigger than you and I, right? Naturally. I mean, we have people, think about how stupid this is. I'm an atheist. That's why the Bible calls an atheist a fool. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Right? Well, why? Think about, I mean, come on, the highest, the, the smartest guy. If we, had, if we had an award for the smartest guy or the smartest lady, the smartest person on the planet, how much knowledge what percentage of the knowledge that's out there does that person possess? Do you think there's anybody that possesses 1% of all known knowledge? Not even close. And we have, we have people standing up going, yeah, there's no God. Well, you think maybe in the 99.9% of knowledge that you haven't even begun to think about yet, Maybe there God's been revealed, right? I mean, it's amazing when you think about it. 
And see, this is why we live according to his power, his ability. So verse 11, it says now in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be continually strengthened inwardly in the Lord and in the power of his might. And then it says, put on the whole armor of God. Put on. It's the Greek word enduo. Enduo. Jesus told his disciples, listen guys, when he came out of the grave, he said, don't go do anything. You guys go to Jerusalem until you be enduoed with power from on high. Right? Talking about the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit would come down and they would be endued with the power. So this word put on is not okay, let me get up in the morning, okay, now, I mean, sometimes, you know, we, we've done this, you know, oh, with, with our kids, you know, every night, we, well, or every morning, we put on our armor. Well, come on, when you go to bed tonight, you're not going to take off the helmet of salvation, are you? Yeah, and, I mean, that's crazy. Right? Because, man, I missed heaven because, darn it, I took the helmet off, and then I went to sleep. No, 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 I'm not taking... I mean, I sleep with the shield of faith, don't you? Right? The sword of the Spirit. So this is talking about being, do, being endued with something. And it says that you and I, now think about, think about, we are to be enduoed, endued with the whole armor of God. God's armor. You know, the first thing, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of amazed because I could tell you this. When we see God, you know, he's not some really old-looking guy. I mean, the Bible talks, some of the Hebrew words that are used about him, it talks about physical strength. I mean, you talk about a physique. So, I mean, I don't know how big God's arms are, how big his body. Could you imagine how big his chest is? And yet, I can be endued with power? I could be endued with his whole armor, his armor. It would fit me? Yes. Isn't that amazing? There's so much we don't understand God is saying, I want you to be endued with the whole armor of God. God's armor. So I think we better know what that is. And it says we do this so that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wow. That we may be able to stand against. Wow. The wiles of the devil. Against is the word pros. That means face to face. We're never running from the enemy. He's never able to sneak up behind us because the armor will keep me face to face. And the word stand literally is the Greek word. It's a military term. It means to survey the battlefield. So as the, as the whole armor of God is endued upon me, Right? It tells me now I'm able to survey the battlefield so I'll see him coming way, way, way before he'll never be able to sneak up on me. And I stand against him. I stand face to face with him against the wiles of the devil. The wiles. The methodia. It literally, that word wiles literally means to travel down one road one way. He, he has a road that he travels down to come at you. He comes at everybody the same way. I mean, think about it. Whatever you're going through doesn't matter. He's going to come one way. The wiles, the methodia of the devil. He comes, he comes down this one road, one way, for the purpose of getting you to doubt so that you let go. Well, I guess that's not working. 
That's the wiles of the devil. The Bible says God's armor will cause you to stand against that to where you never let go. In other words, the devil has a single avenue of attack against every one of us, and it is our mind. He never comes against your spirit. He can't. He can't touch your spirit. He comes against your mind. He's always coming against your mind. The wiles of the devil. Right here in this verse, it tells you exactly how he's going to come and how you can be strong to stand against it. The word devil is the word diabolos. Dia means to penetrate through to the other side of something. To penetrate all the way through. Abelos literally means blow, to throw something blow after blow after blow. So we learn that we are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We allow the whole armor of God to be endued upon us so that we can stand when he comes to throw thought after thought after thought after thought against our mind for the purpose of penetrating our mind, getting us to take the thought. How do you take a thought? By speaking it. So that the death that is in his thought can now come into your life as you speak it. Because life and death is in the power of your tongue. How does Satan come against you? This is how. And the armor of God will cause you to be able to stand face to face. You never try to dodge the thoughts. Nope, face to face. You submit yourself to God. You resist the devil. And he flees from you. Right? Satan wants to penetrate your mind. So... We see from this verse right here, you have to deliberately do something. You have to do something to allow this armor to manifest upon you. You have to choose this. doesn't happen automatically. God wants you to use his armor. Right? We're going to find out that the armor of God is revelation knowledge of his word. That's what the armor is. The truth of God's word will always remove the deception of the devil and break his power off our lives. What is his power? Deception. It's not kratos. It's not ability, it's not strength. No, no, he's been stripped, but he's a deceiver. But the word of God will literally, it, it literally will undo it. It breaks all this deception. People are living in misery as Christians because they're not taking thoughts captive. You can go from being confused and, and just feeling weak and feeling like, I don't even know what's going to happen, you can go from that to right back in the right place with the word of God. Putting on the whole armor of God causes you to be the aggressor in the fight. And it gives us a superior position against the one road, the one way Satan comes against us, which is our mind. He's just trying, he's trying to talk you into being sick. Well, pastor, come on. It's it. I, I've been diagnosed. I mean, I've seen the MRI. Listen, what you're seeing is real. And it could kill you. But it really has no legal right in you. And if you choose to not take it, he can't kill you with it. I don't care what it is. Symptoms in your body are tempting you to take sickness in the same way a thought is tempting you to take death. It's the same thing. 
and you don't have to. But you can't fake this. You have to be strong in him. The word is what does all the work, not you and I. Right? The biggest battle, and here, and you've heard me say this before, the biggest battle in your mind is always everything. I don't care what area it is, it will funnel down to right here to this thought against doubts and preconceived notions that are telling you that the word of God is not going to work for you this time. Because when you step out in faith, you're like, man, I'm believing God, but, but man, if this doesn't work out, I'm in trouble. But here's the thing. If God said it, it's forever settled. God can't stop it. Satan's trying, the only way Satan can stop it is to get you to doubt it. But if you literally allow yourself to be strengthened inwardly in the Lord by allowing the armor of God, revelation knowledge of his word to clothe you, it will keep you face to face. It'll keep you in a position where you always know. When he's coming, you you always have an it is written, it is written, it is written. And it'll cause him to flee and it'll cause you to be at peace. This is why we say spiritual authority and spiritual strength, they're interchangeable. So thoughts, let's look at them because this is the one road he's coming. And all his thoughts lead to tell you that, guess what? The word of God's not going to work for you this time. And then he'll add things on the end of it like, because, you know, you're just not good enough. You messed up one too many times. You know, you just never know what God's going to do. He'll bless some, but he's not going to bless you. And all those things are lies because God has already blessed you with everything. Thoughts, they are governed by three things. They're governed by observation. Okay? The things you observe. So be very careful what you're observing. We are coming home from Vala's pumpkin patch. We passed, what was it called? Gonna go pay money to go to Bloodfest. House of hell. No, thank you. Right? I, there was another one. I was going to Valley today, and there's another one over off, right over as you're leaving Elkhorn. I'm like, people pay money to, or they, I mean, watch horror flicks. Why would you do that? Right? Because thoughts are governed by observation. They're governed also by association. They're only governed by three things. Association, the people that you are associating with. So be careful who you're associating with. If your best friends are not on fire for the Lord, you're in trouble and you don't even know it. Yeah, but pastor, I'm to be a witness. Yes, you are. You are. And we're going to be elbow to elbow and we're going to be coming into people's lives all day every day that don't know the Lord, but they better not be your best friends. Because they're probably going to win you, you probably won't win them. Right? I used to do this when I was a youth pastor, but I, I, I'd get, you know, so, so I'll, I'll, I'll do this. So like, and Nadia, I don't know why I'm picking on you, but so physically... You probably could guess I'm probably a little stronger than Nadia, right? But if I was standing on that table and she was down here and we locked arms, do you think I could pull her up on that table? Or do you think even though I'm physically stronger, right, than her, she could still pull me off the table. It's the way it is. You'll never, the Bible says in Psalm 1 1, 
You better not walk, stand, or sit around the ungodly, around sinners, or around the scornful. And I got to tell you, all three of those could describe somebody who's born again and just not walking with the Lord. Right? The scornful. The Hebrew definition, one who teaches others about others. Well, you know, Pastor Dave, let me just tell you about him. Right? Do you know, in over 10 years of us walking together as friends and in ministry together, do you know how many people have come up to me and said, tried to teach me about him with something? Not one. You know why? Because I'm, I'm right here. I'm on his side. Hey, let me tell you about Pastor Dave. If, if the next statement is anything that's not positive and life-giving, not listening to it. And they will know. Right? They will, now, I'll walk in love. But they will know. See, ungodly, people that are not living a lifestyle that's... They, you, the Bible says... It's impossible for you to be blessed if that's in your circle. Because thoughts are governed by association. They're governed by what you observe. Have you noticed when people observe too much news? Go Just on your next day off, sit there. How many of you would like to listen to news channels, secular news channels? I would not want to do it for 10 seconds. Why listen to that nonsense, right? It depletes you. Observation, association, and here's the other one. Man, let me slam myself. Teaching. You got to be careful what you sit under. Because this, well, you know, this, this unbiblical sovereignty doctrine of, well, you know, God's in control. Really? So the God of heaven is in control and there's been people murdered today, raped, children have been abused, babies have been aborted and God's in control? Nah. No. Now is he sovereign? Yeah. He's sovereign and here's rule number one of sovereignty. Man's will trumps God's will. If you don't believe me, God wants you in the word all the time. But have you ever, when you've decided, I mean, have you ever come to, it's 10 o'clock at night, you're about to go to bed, and there's an angel of the Lord there with a flaming sword going, if you don't read your Bible, your head's coming off. You know, it just doesn't happen that way, does it? You've been ugly to your wife, and all of a sudden, there's an angel of the Lord that appears and says, listen, here's the deal. You better go make it right with her or else. That just doesn't happen, does it? Nope. Because, but, so you've got to watch the teaching. Here's a good one. You know, his ways are higher than our ways. Is that a scripture? Yeah. That's a scripture, but you've got to read it all. Right? His ways are higher. You just never know what God's going to do. Well, the next verse says, but he reveals it to us by his spirit. Oh, but I leave that out. But if you sit underneath that teaching, here's a great one. You know, God heals some, but not others. Because, you know, some people, it's just in the, in the plan of God, he has just, you know, you, you've been given this infirmity, and, and you just, it's, it's, you're going to come to know God in a deeper way, and you'll, where is that? The question I would always ask with this teaching stuff is, that's great as long as you can show it to me here. But if you can't show it to me here, if this is coming from theologian so-and-so, I don't care. I want to, because red letters trumps everybody, right? If it's not in the word, does, is there any scriptures that would lead you to believe that God would heal one person and not heal another one? That's impossible. There's no variableness in him. What he does for one, he'll do for other. That's exactly what that Greek word means. He's no respecter of persons. Some people teach that God has picked who will be saved. He, you know, it's the elect. And they twist scriptures 
You know, I, I mean, I think Calvin, because they call him Calvinist, I think, I think John Calvin would probably be like, wow, man, I never really meant all of that. No, because it's very clear. God, he died for the sins of the whole world. So see, observation, association, and teaching, we got to be careful. Satan is always trying. This is what he's doing all the time. He's attempting to create. He's attempting to plant. And he's attempting to nurture wrong thoughts so that he can control your mind. Because what he wants is he wants you to start believing what you're seeing and speaking it. Because in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. God's over here saying, I have victory for you. Satan's over here saying, no, no, you're defeated. Guess who the second witness is? You decide. That's why you have to be strong spiritually. And Satan is dropping all of these thoughts through observation, through association, through teaching. He's dropping all of them, how? From the outside in. None of this stuff comes from the inside, even though it seems like it. When the spirit of fear shows up, you think you're afraid. But no, your emotions, when the spirit of fear shows up, it'll, it'll rile you a little bit emotionally, but that's coming from the outside because you don't have a spirit of fear. And you could well up and say, no, it is written. And the spirit of fear has to leave. And you could walk in peace all the time. Because the Bible says that your spirit is one of power, one filled with love, and it causes soundness of mind. Right? Thoughts from God come through our spirit to our mind. The Holy Spirit communicates to you as a spirit. Your spirit, when, when your spirit gets revelation knowledge of that word, will, will transfer that word from on the inside of you, spirit to spirit, will turn it into a thought and communicate it to your mind. And that thought from God through your, through your spirit will pull out and renovate your thinking. It's the way it works. Everything Satan does is from the outside. He can't touch you. Right? We need to all learn that song, right? Can't touch this. Right? No, because he can't touch you. Man, how did I get off on that? So, I've lost, I've lost you guys. So, fellowship, everybody from the 70s is going, man, I remember that song. Fellowshipping, is that 80s? Oh, sorry, excuse me. Jeez, I'm dating myself now. See, teaching, you got to be careful, right? Teaching. I missed it by a decade. So fellowshipping with God through meditating in his word will teach you how to discern where thoughts are originating. Right? Teenager growing up in a house, parents are not really serving God, and their lifestyle is not right. I mean, I remember this as a youth pastor. I remember this even in the college and career ministry in California. These young people would be on fire for the Lord. And they're just always, you know, my, my dad does this, my mom does this. And I'm always like, okay, time out. What are you doing? Because if you... Are full of the word you need to be honoring them yeah but they don't deserve it what does it say you honor people when they deserve it right i mean my wife honored me even though i took a leaf blower and blew her hair in church now i've been kind of watching my back every once you know because i'm like <laughs> if you can see her face right now yeah she's just smiling but no, you know, my wife doesn't just honor me when I deserve it. She crucifies her flesh and honors me when I don't deserve it. 
See, this is what I'm talking about. To do that kind of stuff, to grab yourself and keep your tongue in line and keep your actions in line, right? Well, I'm not cleaning my room, right? Because, I mean, my parents are out to lunch. Okay. So don't think you're walking by faith, right? Because you're not. Well, why, why would somebody do that? Because they're spiritually not strong yet. They're trying to be strong in themselves, but not in the Lord. Deception happens when a person believes the devil's lies. You have the enemy's thoughts that come from the outside. You have God's thoughts coming from the inside. The only way that you will be able to discern what, where they're coming from is if you're fellowshipping with God through meditating in his word. It's the only way. Right? So this is, this is really important because deception happens when you start believing the devil's lies. God just lets you down. You know there's people that are not in church because they think God let them down. And God doesn't ever let anybody down. But Satan has caused them to believe a lie. I mean, I don't want to see a show of hands. I'll just hold the hands up for you. Have you ever been hurt in church? Have you ever been hurt? Yeah. Pastor's wife's over here going, wow. Right? But all of us have, right? Have you ever been hurt by a pastor? Right? But see, here's the problem with churches. They're filled with people. I know there's, there's at least one problem at Faith Family Church. There's a potential of one big problem. Tonight, he's wearing a black shirt and he's standing in front of you. I have the potential, if I get in my flesh, to mess everything up. Right? So that's why we stay in the spirit. i got to stay strong. So i got to read verse 12. We'll go into this more next week. Look at this. Now look at what it's saying. Let's read verse 10 again, right? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now look at verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The good news is people are never your problem. But it will feel like it and it will look like it because many times the mess in your life is coming from people. Right? But the Bible is saying we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But we do wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. That's mentioning four different hierarchies in the satanic kingdom. And here's the, here's the, the thing i got to tell you. The word wrestle, the Ephesian church would have known exactly what Paul was saying. Because they had professional wrestling in the arenas in Ephesus. And here, here's their wrestling. It's not WWF, which is the male soap opera, Right? You know, I mean, I mean, it's kind of the male soap opera. I mean, it is kind of amazing that these gigantic men can, and women can do these things. But listen, if somebody's 6'8 and weighs 300 pounds and punches you in the throat, you're not going to live. So that's not real, right? But wrestling in Ephesus was a little different. They've uncovered like ceramic stuff goblets and things were the professional wrestlers of their day the professional athletes they had their like their engraved picture on there some of them are missing eyes and all this stuff because see like here's one example of wrestling in Ephesus they would take six six inch spikes and put them in between every one of the knuckles and then take leather and wrap them so that they could not move it was like it was like spikes coming out and it would wrap with leather all the way up here or they'd have a club that had like spikes in it and and this was the wrestling there are no rules and it's to the death unless you 
succumb and say, okay, no more. But then even then, the guy might still finish you off. So in other words, we are wrestling to the death with no rules. Have you ever noticed Satan doesn't care about rules? That's why you have to know the rules. And you have to wrestle against these principalities and powers and you think, well, okay, Tony, you just went from thoughts to spikes. Listen, you get diagnosed with cancer and the thought hits you, there is no cure for this. And if you take that thought, it will kill you. It will kill you. When all the time Jesus 2,000 years ago bore it. And you have a legal right to be healed. So this is the conflict. These thoughts are deadly. So that's how come it says, take every thought captive. Right? So let me finish this up. I went over four minutes. I got to finish with this though. You can never win a spiritual battle with a carnal weapon. You can't. And here is your spiritual weapon. It is the word of God. And remember, God's armor is impenetrable. We're talking, when you go through this battle, remember who you're strong in. This is not, see, we're wrestling. What are we doing? We have the Holy Spirit. We have angels. We've got the word of God. We've got all of heaven. All we have to do is believe what the word says. And we can keep the enemy completely at bay. We have authority over principalities. We have complete authority over powers. We have complete authority over the rulers of the darkness of this world, over spiritual wickedness in high places. I have complete authority in my life over them. They have no authority. Luke chapter 10 verse 19 tells me that literally I have been given complete mastery over this satanic hierarchy, over all satanic influence, and even over all the ability of the enemy, and nothing is to by any means hurt me. That's why as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, guys, you're to prosper, you're to be in health, you're to literally walk in victory constantly, but you're going to have to exercise your right. This is why we're talking about strengthening yourself spiritually in him, not in yourself. This is why we're talking about on Sunday what the blood of Jesus has done for you. It has given you everything. Here is how we finish this tonight. The decision is simply up to you whether to walk in it or not. I have a feeling I'm looking at a whole bunch of people that are going, yeah, I'm all in on this deal. Right? Amen?